Hello and welcome to the Carbitrage Podcast, episode 208. I'm Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Sinitsky. Hello, sir. Hi there. And then we are also joined by Jana and Scott is back. This time without Stella. Yeah, well, we uh, we actually briefly did 208. You can't hear Jana because Jana's <laughs> on mute, probably oh, the cat in her lap. No worries, that's, but, that's yeah. a worthy sacrifice. Oh, there but no, we, we briefly tried. I am remote down in Florida, and everyone else is back home in Minnesota. But uh, we had some internet connection issues on my end that weren't able to sustain video. So trying again with just the audio version, and uh, hopefully that powers through. <clears throat> How are you guys doing? Good. I just found out I've got $11.67 in my Steam wallet from stuff I've sold on Counter-Strike, so that's good. <laughs> I, I was, I'm terrified to know that there was something called a Steam wallet. Yeah, it's how you buy games in Steam. Oh, like, I just use a credit card. Uh, oh, well, I mean, yeah. So, but with, like, games like Counter-Strike and stuff, they have those little loot boxes, and I've actually, like, made, like, decent money, <laughs> like, from opening those and selling stuff on them. Like, I've, I sold a knife for, like, $300 last uh, spring, and, like, that paid for all my video games when I was unemployed during COVID. It was pretty great. <laughs> Alright, well that's that's a new development <laughs> I for me. Like, but... I wish I could put that like in my actual bank account, but hey, that's free video way. games, why not? Anyway. I'm just out on the porch with the cat because he insists on being out here. Good Lucifer. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> he loves it. He doesn't like my swing though. He'll he'll come sit up with me for like two minutes and then be like, why, why is this moving? And then he leaves me. But... You're never gonna be interesting forever to a cat, unfortunately, so uh, anyway, before we start digging into some normal topics, I briefly want to cover our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. You definitely know how to spell it because you found us here. Uh, head on over to patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. On there, you'll find two open-ended levels of support for content consumers like you to support content producers like us. They come with some neato small swag items, and like I said, they're open-ended, so you can pick as little as buying us a beer a month or as much as you please, patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. Forward slash Carbitrage. Man, I got almost all the way through that read. Then I fumbled. Uh, next up, beer. We're, we're not doing another take. So. No. Yeah. Amateurs do two takes. <laughs> I do one take. This is take three, though. <laughs> Whatever. I'm drinking a Yingling. What are you guys drinking? Youngling? Um, Young- I'm drinking uh, a Castle Danger Green Ale. That sounds excellent. It's a good beer. And I've got a uh, Lake Monster... Como Claw Pilsner, which is delicious. Still. Yeah. Perfect. That Drink sounds good. <laughs> I kind of figured you weren't drinking a beer, Jana, so I just pictured yep. you with a coffee in your hand. Um, anyway, all right. So this episode, as I've already kind of alluded to, is called the Nero Saga Part 2. Uh, if you haven't watched or listened to Part 1, I highly suggest scrubbing back to October of 2020 and digging up episode 188. On that episode, we cover the beginning of the, well, it's a saga of Scott shopping for, purchasing, and starting to get warranty issues on his brand new Kia Nero EV. Um, He uh, started searching out this car because it fit all of his needs with long range, relatively inexpensive purchase price, a heat pump, which is a big, big thing, and also just kind of general practicality with four actual doors and a hatch. But after getting the vehicle, starting to notice that there was some uh, mechanical clicking during regen, finding out that it's actually the motor where it interfaces to the gear case and that there was already a superseded part number, 
And once he found that out, sort of engaging the local dealer, uh, Kia North America, and then the painstaking process of getting the car shipped on the manufacturer's dime while using rental cars on his own dime to uh, get that issue fixed. (laughs) So we left off on the story. He had the car back with a replacement motor from the local dealer from a Chicago dealer with some newly added dents in the roof. We had correspondence open with a potential buyback or some hush money with Kia NA, and we don't know the last name of that rep. But uh, we have a lot more information now, so let's start off Chapter 2. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and at the time that we recorded and going back, pretty solid episode, I thought. But um, but uh, so it felt like it was kind of the conclusion, you know, like at the at the very end, uh, right. I think Ryan asked, like, after after going through all this, you know, would you recommend this car? I think something like that. And I to Jana's mom is what it was. And you said no. I think, <laughs> I think yeah, I was kind of hemming and hawing. And I think ultimately I said no. And uh, <laughs> it's hard to say that that's. Uh, move the needle in the in the yes direction at all <laughs> it's, it's still there well what what led you to still be in the uh no camp well i think the the, the critical thing was that the first purchase buyback offer was uh, issued in september so you know two months after the car had been picked up for repair but before it had been returned and fixed and so I had a, an offer letter uh, with 7500 bucks plus you can keep the car, please go away. And um, and I was tempted to take that offer, to be honest, but I wanted to make sure that the car was fixed before I decided to keep it because I didn't really want to send it back and go shopping for another car because I had already done that research and this was already the one that I had landed on. And yeah, so like, it didn't make a whole put... lot of sense to just reset it. And um, then more more uh, things followed. <laughs> so when you left off with us in late October, uh, after getting the Nero back and doing a sweet smoky burnout out of the dealer, um, did you actually have like a, was it an offer letter in hand that officially said it's seventy five hundred, or was that like an email saying, "Well, what if we offered you seventy five hundred dollars to just shut your mouth and keep the car?" No, they. So what I later learned was that the the offer letter, the buyback. Uh, letter was really a precursor to a here's your money and shut up with confidentiality oh now i've since been told that anytime you settle a lemon case without going to arbitration or courts it almost certainly would have such a uh, confidentiality clause especially with respect to the the terms okay uh, Mm -hmm. because i don't want you to go around on the forums and facebook and twitter and all the places I've been uh, very vocal, I read it, and they don't want you to t- tell them I got seventy five hundred bucks plus I keep the car. Just you know, just write them a letter. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know that at the time, uh, and so I was thinking they would just give me the money and just take the money and you know keep your car and just you know you won't sue us for whatever. Uh, it turns out that's not the case, but. Um, so anyway, their first offer, yeah, was issued while the car I think was in Chicago. I can't remember exactly where it was yet, but you definitely um, didn't have it in your possession, right? But again, I, I was tempted to take their offer to keep the car and um, and some extra money, which frankly makes it a pretty good value of a car. But I also wanted to make sure that the motor wasn't clicking and you know was at least nominally fixed before accepting that offer, right? 
Yeah, you don't want to have to deal with that 10-year powertrain warranty. And if you had a brand new vehicle, that should have been free from defect in the beginning, whereas the confidence that the, the superseded motor will be free from that same defect. Right. Yeah, that's where it's literally, uh, literally not there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that, that motor had been superseded. Uh, just to recap a little bit, the 710 motor was what shipped with most the 2019, I think all 2020 models as well wow. from the factory, and that's the model number i guess on the part and uh when i got the car back you can visibly see the uh part number sticker uh from the front right wheel well and uh indeed was the 711 motor which was the first revision of the um, original motor which was only used as replacement uh when people complained and worth worth mentioning in that uh, other episode too we were aware from kia themselves telling us that the uh, the new superseded 711 motor was in stock in mass in New Jersey right. in the United States, right. even though it was made in Korea. So that kind of yeah. leads us to believe that that may be something that they're aware is a systemic issue. Yeah, and the Chicago dealership in uh, Schaumburg said that, uh, I think they said it was an $8,000 part, oh. maybe $10,000 or more uh, overall, if you know if I had to pay out of pocket. So it's not a small deal, and I'm guessing cost, you know, even cost to manufacture on a part like that is not cheap. But uh, No, that's a lot of machining, a lot of precious metals. It's, yeah, that, yeah. there's nothing cheap about that, but I mean, yeah. also, if it, was, if it was manufactured correctly in the first place, they, would, they wouldn't have had to have done that. So, so supposedly, yeah. with the first revision, the 711 motor was supposed to have a, a strengthened flange. Uh, if you watch teardown videos on electric motors and gear cases there's typically sort of a, a ring of uh, I think they're hex bolts uh, I'm not sure if that's the right term probably torques yeah if you look at like a Tesla performance motor it has like 9 or 12 or some huge number but like a uh, a leaf motor has like 6 and yeah. so I haven't seen a particular breakdown it'd be very interesting to look at all these motors but I my guess is that they added additional bolts or extra flange strengthening to uh prevent the misalignment that apparently left to uh, led to grinding and uh, eventual you know catastrophic failure i would imagine that they eventually if they haven't yet would have to add little hollow dowels around the actual bolt hole and then mill the actual gear case as well to accept those dowels to keep those motors centered because typically in gasoline and electric motor engine applications when they connect to a transmission there are centering dowels at least on opposing sides in at least two of them so if this was really manufactured and shipped without those dowels i could see this absolutely being a problem and so i have not been able to substantiate this claim but someone i think on one of the uh forums Mm -hmm. stated that the that the kia hyundai motor bev motor setup is actually just the hybrid the conventional hybrid motor uh but without the additional i guess the what the planetary gear and all that they were saying that it's literally the same motor. I don't think that's true because I think the power output is too high. Yeah, I'm, but they were saying yeah. that they just adapted the standard hybrid motor and gear, the gear set from that. And so, you know, one one speculation I've had is that Hooning on this, you know, <laughs> almost 300 pound feet uh, torque motor, uh, you know, as I think you have a right to do as an owner of a car, I think you can drive yeah. it to its limit. And I'm a person who likes to hoon. And so it's possible that the extra stress was not within the testing uh, regimen that Hyundai Kia did on this sort of a half, half-hearted attempt at a full electric car. Mm, that would make sense, yeah, if it was under-specified mm-hmm. for that amount of torque. 
I think so. Especially because we were commenting, the 711 felt like it was an even stronger motor than the 710. Yeah, I mean, I, it, maybe it's just forgetfulness, but other people but on the it, forums have stated the same thing. I, I imagine having it maintain its, um, like, actually integrity and not grinding against itself, that probably would add some stress, or not stress, but that actually adds some parasitic loss to the output of the engine. And you're, what you're probably feeling is not that. It is just an engine that doesn't have that loss of being misaligned, to be honest. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, the, the yeah. car doesn't really lack for power, so it wasn't really an issue anyway. But um, So anyway, they, they uh, Kia ended up following up with another offer letter after we recorded um, November. And uh, that, they, they increased their second offer to $10,000. And so... This is essentially a carbon copy of the previous offer, except they increased it for, from 7500 to 10000 hmm. And once again, they gave a period for reply. Uh, I think they typically were giving 45 days, if I remember correctly. And um, sh- shortly, four days after that second offer letter came, uh, again, I went out to my car to start it, which it had a full charge the night before. It was a little cold, maybe 20 degrees. And the car completely would not start, would not unlock, would not do anything. And I took a pretty funny picture where I actually jumped it from the 535. Uh, uh, I, ju- I jumped the electric car from the from the gas car. Which... <laughs> I posted it to one of the uh, Kia Nero Facebook groups, and they deleted it. They I remember that. <laughs> which I find very <laughs> uptight, but okay. Uh, so it ended up replacing the battery. I called the dealership. I called manufacturer. None of them would even respond to me. So I just went to Walmart and bought my own battery and swapped that out. And it's actually been just fine ever since. But our speculation was that maybe during the full motor replacement that they uh, maybe let that 12-volt battery get too low and um, probably did some damage to it. But... Well, you said that there was a 12-volt battery on the warranty invoice from when the car was in Chicago. Correct. So they replaced it. But then maybe it yep. happened again from sitting, because it did. I mean, it sat at Chicago for a while after it was even done repairing, uh, being repaired, sorry, waiting for a shipment. Yes, but I was monitoring the high-voltage battery, and that was typically plenty full, because with the app, you can kind of check on it. Well, maybe the That's app runs on the low-voltage battery. Maybe it killed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but anyway, the DC-DC converter from the high-voltage to the 12-volt battery really should have been keeping that up no matter what it was doing. Sounds like provided. that needs a firmware update. <laughs> it definitely does. In <laughs> fact, it's a widespread issue, even without all these motor issues. So hmm. that's something that they do need to address, and it's just kind of ridiculous that that can happen. Um, <laughs> so I ended up filing <laughs> a week later the uh, Lemon Law request with the Washington Attorney General, which is where I bought the car. Um, if you buy a car out of state, generally speaking, you're, you're you have to pursue the legal uh, procedures in that state that you bought the car. Mm-hmm. I think if I had filed a lawsuit, I maybe could have done so in Minnesota just because that's where I live and that's where I signed the actual paperwork, but I ended up filing a complaint with the uh, Attorney General and um, and that was after I had written them a letter. Uh, I think I wrote the letter to them uh... I sent a letter to them in back in August, actually, oh, and you had to give forty Jesus. days. <laughs> yeah, I forgot <laughs> about that. that. So that was before our last recording. So I had sent them a letter saying I want buyback because you have to do this procedurally in order to request lemon law uh, pre- uh, buyback and all that. So 
I had done that procedurally, and you had to wait 40 days, and then after 40 days, which I guess is roughly here, I um, then filed the request with the Washington Attorney General. This was in hopes of getting more leverage and having you know, a backup plan in case, for some reason, they uh, their offer was unsatisfactory. Hmm. Um, just a few weeks later, uh, Kia did offer... They actually reissued a $10,000 offer in December. <laughs> and uh, so there's so many things concurrently. I already made a timeline for the arbitration that we'll get to in a minute here. And um, so the manufacturer has an opportunity once you file a complaint, and this is depending on each state, but in Washington, which is fairly mm -hmm. conventional from what I can see, the manufacturer is 10 days after I file my official complaint with the attorney general to basically offer their defenses. Like, you know, the car wasn't broken, he's being unreasonable, or, you know, the car wasn't actually at the dealer for more than 30 days, it was blank. Uh, but they didn't have any, apparently, any defense, because they didn't even file any response with any defenses. <laughs> and so, um... Good old Shelby. Yeah, Shelby uh, Jocelyn, mm -hmm. that's her last name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we finally got uh, her, she slipped up. <laughs> yeah. And once the attorney general spilled the beans on her full name, I just called her Miss Jocelyn in all communications after that because I knew that she didn't like that. Um, <laughs> awesome. I love that. Um, and so another week after they did not uh, hit the deadline to present defenses, uh, Kia offered a fourth offer letter now. This one was increased to $12,500. It's essentially carbon copy of the previous ones, but they just keep ticking up the dollar amount. And I forget which offer, if it was fourth or fifth, but um, they eventually did explicitly say we're going to pay for your rental cars as well because I had had three separate bills. Uh, they paid for two of them, but uh, they're outstanding. Yeah, it's hundred, hundreds of dollars, less than a thousand, but more than five hundred. And um, I was not going to let that go either. I was going to say that's not felony level if it's here. stolen from you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this is where the process get, got kind of really slow and boring. Uh, I think really the more interesting stuff was earlier on because the car was being fixed and this and that and this and that. At this point, it's just kind of a war of attrition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah corporate, this... But now I've got the, the, the wheels turning on the on the lemon buyback, which, you know, it's, it's, as a consumer, it's just you got to do that just to have your options open. And, um, and I believe I rejected their offer continually because... I was doing the math on this, and with a new battery electric car with a full uh, tax credit, you're looking at 7,500 bucks. Even you know, say you buy the car back, or they buy it back, and you just buy the same car again, it's immediately a delta of 7,500 dollars. So yeah. they need to do not just better than that, but a lot better than that, because you're also looking at getting a fresh new car with potentially a newer model year and more equipment and, uh, and more equipment and if you bought the same car used for instance or even new if they still had one on the lot it's <laughs> going to be a lot cheaper mm -hmm. so there's depreciation and then the weird x factor of course here is the tax credit which you can get every year provided you're buying an eligible car and there's a uh, there's some fine print basically in the tax credit saying you can't buy the car to get the tax credit and then immediately you know, give it. it give it away or sell it. Yeah, you're supposed to you have, to, have, you have the to keep intent. It yeah, the intent has to be to keep it. And whether the IRS actually pursues that or not, I don't know. You don't really want to mess with the IRS. So, I did not have the intent to not keep the car, and so that was fully in good faith. And so I was free and clear. I could 
ditch the car, you know, the next day and get the full credit again buying another the same car. <laughs> and so I, I kept saying, like, please call me, Kia. I'll, I'll walk you through why my offer. And I had been asking for 15000 for I was quite say, a while. When, between which two offers did you respond back and say, no, I want fifteen grand, and I'll keep the car? Uh, I think that was roughly in early 2021. Okay. Uh, I think I think this is probably before, just before or after they uh, failed to meet the deadline on the, the defenses. Okay. Because then I, I really knew that they they didn't have a case at all, mm-hmm. and so if they want to settle this out, they need they know that I have the leverage now. Um, Look and, at again, me! Doing the math, I have the leverage now. <laughs> I'm the captain. <laughs> um, but uh, so I mean, just, I, I didn't want to come out worse for it. You know, so if I have two options and I legitimately am willing to go down the repurchase, which is, you know, more hassle, of course, than just yeah. waiting for a check to show up. But what would ended up doing some research and it's like, well, what if I buy another new one now? It's 2021. So that was one critical thing is in 2020, if I had gone and bought another car, it would have been in the same calendar year. And then I wouldn't have been able to get the credit. Mm-hmm. So one of one of the wasn't really a bad faith action on my uh, my part but i i knew that if this process dra- dragged out a little bit more if i got to january 1st then i could go and buy the replacement car before january 1st then i'd have to basically find another car to use for a while and um and so once the calendar turned i think that might have been when i that might have been the point actually that i started asking for 15 15 uh thousand mm-hmm. uh and i did not think i was going to make it to 2021 i mean i can't <laughs> believe it did because that is many, many months. I remember I mean, having that conversation with you in yeah. late 2020. I'm like, well, I mean, right. technically, if it made it this far, we're like, no, no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's really unbelievable. And um, so they, they ended up increasing their, their offer. Their final increase was uh, on was nine days before the scheduled hearing. So it was on 2, 210, and the hearing was on 219. And uh, they basically, they didn't even send a um, the letter like they had before. They sent a legal settlement document that said $15,000 and we were demanding full confidentiality, including, and here's what I didn't like, strictly confidential, including but not limited to a mutual agreement to not make or post disparaging statements about each other or the products involved in print, electronic, social media, or internet media. So, um... So, it, it, it's, it's a basically not a gag order, but, you know, I mean... Yeah, you know, right. Yeah, it's and basically that, that, yeah. And that's, that's I you know, again, I haven't seen this before, but, you know, just saying, don't tell them you got 15 grand. Right. I would have been probably fine with that, but then I saw the social media stuff and I've uh, been in communication with you know Gustavo Rufo at the Inside EVs, and he's already written an article, and he said he's going to follow up. I need to send some more documents, actually. I do have the Inside EVs thing open too, and I've been scrolling through some <laughs> photos of the motors and stuff. I know you guys can't see it, but I do have yeah, the article just, up. Yeah, if you just Google Inside EVs owner say Hyundai, that'd probably bring it up. But all you have to do um, is Google Kia Seven Ten Motor, and it takes you right to all of your posts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it might come up quite a few times. Um, so the actual hearing, and I don't know if people are interested in this or not, but you know, Lemon Lemon Law. Has... Oh, it does. Huh? Look at that. <laughs> lemon. <laughs> you could do a whole episode on Lemon Law, and you know, we... I, I really honed in on certain provisions of it. I think my case is a really simple one. 
because under Washington law, there's four categories under which your car can be considered a lemon and you can have the right to demand buyback. You know, one is like there's a serious safety defect. One is it's been in for repair like four times. Uh, one is they there's something else. And then the fourth one is that the car has been out of your possession for more than 30 days. Wow, that's, and, um, that's, not, that's not much. It's a really open and shut provision there's really there's no exceptions now some states i've heard have extended this to 60 during the pandemic yeah uh washington as far as i could tell never did that but even if they did it wouldn't have mattered my car according to the arbitrator <laughs> was out for 95 days and i thought it was 92 but apparently it's 95 so the actual hearing i actually sent a request for a copy of the hearing it's not that interesting but you know if i if i get it i'll share it um so i did the actual hearing which took over an hour I mean, it, it was very slow, boring procedural, <laughs> and um, Shelby showed up. Miss Jocelyn. Also, this is all a lawyer saying that something was slow, procedural, <laughs> yeah. boring. You know, I, years ago, I took a, a Fiat Chrysler to a small claims court, and I was yeah. surprised how intense it was and, frankly, how formal it was. This was pretty similar. Uh, I couldn't decide what to wear. I ended up wearing a suit and tie, but I was actually dressed up more than the arbitrator, which I <laughs> Oops. Were, you don't want to be underdressed. Were you using a cat filter? <laughs> I am not a cat. I am not a cat. Sir. I'm ready to proceed. <laughs> so the hearing is, I don't know, it's not that interesting. He just went through all of the legal provisions of the Washington statute. You know, what what did you pay for the car? You know, what did the how many when did you drop the car off? When did you pick it up? You know, what was the nature of the issues? And this was all presented in print. There was really no reason to r- run through all of this again. Mhm. And then they basically said, you know, Fiat, do you dispute, or not Fiat, (laughs) Kia, (laughs) Kia, do you dispute uh, any of these dates? And she did not dispute them. (laughs) So she said almost nothing the whole time. And at first she was, she had her screen turned off, her camera turned off. And then the arbitrator had to ask her to turn on her uh, camera, which is kind of funny. I just want to see a copy of it to see this person's face. Yeah, she has a bit of a Karen look to her, but. um, Oh, no. So, so then uh, the the ruling. I mean, they actually, the arbitrator made the ruling that same day, but I did not get the ruling until March third. And uh, the, the ruling wasn't. I didn't get everything I asked for. For instance, I was asking for the shipping cost, uh, eleven hundred bucks for that. I asked for uh, that was the main one that I asked for that I didn't get. <clears throat> but they did cover things like the insurance, the uh, title registration, the um, rental car difference. Um, and then the the full purchase price of the car. And so the the buyback was $4,000 more than the actual price of the car. <laughs> so it's 42,000 and change. And after I'd gotten that ruling, I'm like, "All right. This is I'm holding all the cards now." So I send one final email to Kia saying, "You know, look, uh I'm not going to sign it with the full confidentiality, but do you want to discuss? Please give me a call." They did not give me a call. They simply said, we will still offer the 15000 you know, with full confidentiality. And as one last-ditch effort, I said, look, here's three options. One, I'm going to go through with buyback. Two, you can up your offer to 17000 with all your crap, and I'll sign it. <clears throat> and then the third option was, I'll do 15000 but I only will give limited confidentiality to the, the terms of the agreement. And you actually struck the text you didn't like in the message. Correct. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is the dollar amount. Uh, mm-hmm. But at this point, I think they're just looking to move on. I think they're just uh, <laughs> they're just done. <clears throat> so, I mean, that's that's kind of 
where we are now uh, in terms of the procedure. So have they gotten back to you on those three things or they just didn't say oh, anything? Oh, yeah. So, sorry, yeah. They, they said, we'll just do buyback. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then she clumsily asked for, like, the terms of clumsily. the... <laughs> she clumsily sent out an email too soon asking for the financing and all that documentation. In fact, I have 60 days from March 3rd to basically say I accept the um, the buyback or I can actually appeal to the district court. Hmm. And frankly, after reading the, the statute, I do think I could probably recoup additional costs if I did so. But at this time, I'm not really thinking of pursuing that, but I, I have the option to think about it for two months. <laughs> and, uh, and the buyback is not keyed to the current vehicle's mileage. So there's a a provision that they basically subtract uh, a little bit from the buyback based on the number of miles you drove, but it's at the time of the incident. Oh. <laughs> and so it had like 825 <laughs> miles on it or something at the yep. time. Yeah, I remember you so, had 1,100 when we talked about it right after you got it back and you had been driving right. it, but it was eight, eight yeah. something. So it subtracted like 200 bucks. I mean, nominal. <laughs> so now, in theory, I've got two full months to just drive the heck out of the car. And it wouldn't affect the buyback whatsoever. So I could go cross country or whatever. On your Nokia and Hakapolitas. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's really no reason for me to rush. And so I have this two month period, you know, month and a half roughly left, to think about what I want to do. And and basically just the real question is what am I gonna replace the Nero with? <clears throat> well, well what were you thinking about replacing <laughs> with? So um so twenty twenty so my, my Nero is a 2019. If you look into the options and the standard features, there's a few changes. And frankly, some pretty major ones, at least in terms of cold climates. Uh, my car had no heated seats and no heated steering wheel, despite having the cold weather package, which is just <laughs> absurd. But for 2020, heated seats became standard on all models, and the cold weather package with a heat pump added the heated steering wheel. And so... Basically, for the same uh, MSRP, I could get a 2020 Nero that would have both heated seats, heated steering wheel, uh, an inch bigger infotainment, and basically everything else is the same. But you're getting a fresh warranty, you know, a newer model year for better resale, and frankly, some features I really would like, like a heated seat and heated steering wheel. And on top of that, I looked at prices on 2020s, which there's no 2021 yet, even though we're in 2021, and uh, they're three, four grand less than I paid hmm. for my 2019 in mid 2020. Oh, so that would more than offset the shipping cost. Plus, you would get seats and a steering wheel. Correct, and so you get a fresh warranty, a newer model year, heated steering wheel and heated seats, and uh, you know you don't have to pay shipping because I would just drive it back next time. So there's, there's a few there's ways. one added there's an added benefit here that you haven't mentioned that you will continue to be a thorn in the side of Keith. Well, that's what I was just going to get at too. I'm like, if you bought a 2020, you would potentially have a car. I mean, I assume assured it would be an E710 motor and it's probably, probably. going to start clicking again. So what I would ask you is if you go through and do this, you buy a, a new Nero ahead of time, you bring it back, you swap your winter tires over, whatever we put the hitch on it. Right. Would you... What happens in your brain or legally when that new Nero starts clicking? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Yes. <laughs> well, so there's a couple things here. One, the dealership in Bloomington, Luther, which again was they didn't do anything wrong. They were good to work with. They speculated that they'd be 
at least someone in Minnesota would be certified to work on these electrics uh, this year, 2021. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen any evidence of that, but, you know, the the new EGMP, Kia and Hyundais are coming out either this year or early next year. Mm -hmm. So I think that is probable. Uh, So that's one thing. In fact, that's the biggest thing. So this motor swap is a big job. It's probably like one full day for one technician. That sounds about uh, right. Yeah. And so if it was local, you know, of course, I would demand a loaner if it happened again. But if it was local and they didn't have to sit on it, you know, for a month before they shipped it out. And then the Chicago dealer sat on it for two, three weeks. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the delays were completely avoidable. (laughs) And if it had just been, here's the repair we need, you know, we're going to order the part when it comes in, you know, we'll um, we'll take your car. We'll give you a loaner. We'll have it done in a couple days. Honestly, if that was the process, I never would have been unhappy in the first place. Right. Hey, we're doing fine. Yeah, but as now, it stands, I would like to have confidence. I would like to have confidence that they've actually fixed the problem. Now, this was never going to be a long-term hold. You know, this car was just to get to the ID Buzz van, and Which, that's coming out the tenth of never. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm more and more concerned about the timeline on that. There's actually some news on that vehicle. They're going to be two two wheelbases. Uh, sounds like the early models would be rear drive only. Oh yeah. And short wheelbase only. And so the U.S. the delay for the U.S. is partly because we're only getting the long wheelbase oh. version of the buzz. Whatever. I probably would have gotten the short one, but so be it. But anyway, so uh, so if the issue happened again and there was a certified dealer, it'd be kind of okay. But. <clears throat> So I didn't end up taking the $15,000 confidentiality because, frankly, they burned me and they deserve to be, you know, skewered publicly. Mm-hmm. And and overpay um, for your car, frankly. Right, right. And the, the, what I kept thinking, I don't know if I ever said this, but it's like if they just given this offer right away, I mean, when the issue started happening at first, if, I said, if I'd seen $15,000, I'd be like, yeah, I'll take that. Sure. I'm not angry yet, and that's a huge dollar amount. <laughs> well, I mean, look at look at the time that's elapsed. You bought the car in June of twenty twenty, yeah, June of twenty twenty, right. and it is now right. March of twenty twenty one, and you still have it. Right. <laughs> We're still right. talking about it. <laughs> and I've only put four thousand some miles on it, so you know I haven't put a huge amount of miles on it because it's been out of service so much. So and typically you um, do your commute's long. Yeah, it's pretty long, um, fifty miles round trip. So that's I imagine that's above average. I mean, I guess you have put several miles on it for the fact that you've owned it for like what like a month now (laughs) yeah Yeah, i had it for less than a month uh after it got delivered i had it for like two weeks roughly until i dropped it off i mean that's amazing yeah you've had it it for like a month (laughs) like you managed to put on like (laughs) how many uh, car payments have you made (laughs) how many what how many car payments have you now made (laughs) oh that's a good question (laughs) We don't need we don't need Scott to develop an alcoholism. About that. <laughs> so anyway, so would I would I buy the car again, knowing that it might have that same problem again? Maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I would because frankly, it's a warranty, and if if there's really a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of being able to service it locally, and you know, if I'd known everything that I know now, I could have you know driven it to Chicago, had it fixed, and driven it home. Why would I? Why would that be incumbent on me to do that, though? Mm-hmm. And and if somebody moved from Seattle or from Chicago or from somewhere to Minneapolis and brought their car with them, it could still break down. It's not like there's a law against, you know, uh, or a law saying that you can't bring your car with you when you move. So 
I think it's completely a joke that Kia has been so slow to, to roll out EV certified technicians and, or to at least fly them out in a case that they're needed. Well, look at when I bought my first Fiat 500e up here and I had that regen problem like six months into it, which turned out to be nothing of the car's fault. I dropped it off at a Fiat dealership in the middle of Minnesota, which is a, a brand that's really not known for being a Highline dealer. It's really not known for anything, but they gave me a loaner, no questions asked. They flew people out. Yeah, like Scott was saying, that we're certified to work on the car, and they fixed it. They, they put many thousands of dollars worth of parts into it before they realized that the thing I had plugged into the OBD2 port was causing can failure. And then <laughs> I got the car back. Like, I would have been probably livid had I had to ship the car to a different state to get it fixed, but that just wasn't on the table. And grant, this wasn't in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, which is constantly what Kia was plotting at with Scott's car. Yeah. But. So, well, all right, so I think this is the difference between Kia and Fiat in the situation is uh, Kia went into this having a bunch of goodwill and thinking that, and they're like, yeah, we can work around it. Like, we'll be fine. We have goodwill with our customer base. We'll be fine. People buy Kia, love Kia. Fiat, on the other hand, they went into it knowing if there is anything that goes wrong with this freaking car, it's going to blow up in our face so hard we're going to be kicked out of the market immediately. And that's why Fiat actually like goes out of their way to actually try to help you, whereas Kia doesn't. Well, yeah, yeah Fiat at the time was pretty new in the country. So, yeah, they were still trying to make inroads and build that goodwill. So, I mean, they used to offer well, loaners, so yeah. I, I actually, I think even to date, Fiat, um, I still think that they're still being supportive, like, with their older cars because they know that every single boomer in the world hates them forever. And that no matter what they Fiat Alpha does, um, they're still going to have every boomer in the world screaming about their unreliability, even though they're perfectly reliable. Yeah, I'm waiting so. for the next generation for sure. Yeah. But anyway, so. So the, the next question then, I mean, that kind of wraps it up, frankly. I mean, I, I'm doing buyback. They're, they're buying the car back. Yeah, and, and um, that's you'll it. be getting another EV, another so, one, and then uh, probably well. playing, playing this game again in, <laughs> in our 10 months. I mean, how much time do we have, Eric? Uh, we're, we're only 38 <laughs> minutes in, so we've got a lot of time. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, there's a more that could be harped on, but I think that summarizes what's happened, and it's stunk. And I just, I think we all thought it was done at the end of the last episode, but it, but it wasn't. And, you know, obviously that wasn't the most desirable outcome to ultimately give the car back, but on the other hand, having a buyback and just undoing the deal after kind of having transportation for almost a year, I guess that's kind of a good deal for me. Now, the other thing is, if I buy another one, I get the tax credit again, uh, which I've already talked about. But that really complicates everything because, um, and there's a few new entrants as well. I mean, you got the Maki, you got the ID4, you got the I would uh, get the Maki. Nope. It's nope. rear wheel drive, which would be nice. Mm, that's true. Yeah, but oh. that's that, that's it's also a Mustang. Type. Actually, they I, call I, it a like they're playing that down, but on the front of it, there's a Mustang logo. Like well, first thing I would do tried... is put a blue oval on there. I, I just I'm sure well, Tim Rose. Yeah, but that's that, that's but... the thing. Oh, is, yeah. at, at that point, you're then supporting them trying to make the Mustang into an SUV, and I just think it, for me, like that on like a it's a wagon uh, principle. Though. Honestly, I saw yeah, this but, next to an A6 All-Road, and it, it is the same size. It's just a, yeah, but it, the, the issue is wagon. They, mar they marketed it as a crossover. It's entirely my issue with the Maki 
is on principle based on their marketing is the fact that they tried to say it's a Mustang and it's an SUV and everybody screamed and they're like, oh shit, we've already designed the entire car to make it look like a Mustang. We got to <laughs> drop the Mustang name from all of the advertising, but you still have a Mustang logo on the front and now it's called a Maki. Like that's the thing. That's my issue with that. That's why I would never ever buy one of those based off that principle alone. Well, you know, it was originally going to be a Focus. They, that would have been, uh, that would have been fine. I would yeah, been, I wouldn't thrilled. I would have loved that as a focus. I've been the best focus ever. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, it, that, having the best focus is the worst Mustang. I, I forget where I heard that, but it was a pivot for marketing reasons, and hmm. you know, it's made splashes as a result. So the Maki lacks a heat pump on any trim in the U.S. Same with the ID4. Can't believe that. That's ridiculous. Actually, the ID4 might have been it might have been the play because they're a little bit. They're comparable in price to the Nero, and it's a brand new platform. And you get a loyalty um, bonus when you trade it in on your buzz. Right. Yeah, I get 500 bucks if I buy another Nero, which is hilarious. Um, and then you've also got the XC40, a little too expensive, but I think they're pretty cool. Uh, then nice you interior. Ionic 5 is coming out, which I think is an awesome car, but I think it's next year. That's too far off. But this starts raising the question of, <clears throat> might I go back to a gas car? Should I just undo this whole thing, take the credit, walk away, and buy a cheap car? So I'm really considering buying another internal combustion car now to replace it. Well, uh, I think what it's it's it sucks. They have to make even like come up like come to that conclusion where you're like, I might have to do this. Like that totally blows. Well, I see but, posts um, like that all the time in electric vehicle groups. So like, oh, I, could, I would never consider going back to an ice car. I couldn't believe anyone could ever do this. I'm like, guys, yeah, it happens. So the choice is very very thin still. You know, there was there's more choices now than than in 2020, but. I think I listed them all. I mean, there there aren't a ton more model three, model in the y. family space. Yeah, I mean, you got Taycans, you got a couple and other things, but what, what what kind of price range are you looking at again? Well, as little as possible. I mean, frankly, this is the third car. It needs to hold the family. It needs to have back doors. It needs to be a hatch, and it needs to be hey, a winter you're beater. Only gonna, and you're only going to use it for like what like a year or two until. Well, you it'll be, be more. The buzz is going to be a while. I mean, it'll be two full years. But. Uh, yeah, I was, I was going to say, if it's something you're just keeping for like a year or two, you could probably get something that's like appreciating that you can use as a winter car that like won't completely rust away. Something, something like a Land Cruiser or something. You get, you could get like that potentially like for a short period of time, but if it's going to be like potentially more than a year. 50 then, miles a day. Yeah. But that, that oh, okay, so yeah. It also has to meet spousal approval, yeah. so. Yeah, and so, and that, that's the thing, it's like now knowing that, like that obviously is a out the window, but it's like if it was something where it's like, yeah, I got to use it for like a year, you know, I'm st- for the next year, weekends potentially be working from home mostly. That would be like a more of a sensible decision, but yeah, now I'm going like, well, it, I, I'm waiting until the ID buzz. Comes I mean, out. two years is a long time, yeah. I, I mean, I what about the uh 500x? If you have 500x, that's a great car with the nifty old A pillar that used to hit much. Not X, the L, are you talking about the L? So the footed L is, I'm strongly considering looking at. Get... Scott sent me a yeah, link to one today. Yeah, that'd be great. A manual 500L would be, yeah, that'd be a perfect car. Jana, what do you think about 500L? Yeah. Jana, you're mute. Oh, there. Yeah, you like those. So I'm going to post the or... link. Do it. I'll put it up. I sent you Eric a link earlier today. Uh... So there's a just one example, high trim, manual transmission, 2014, I think. 
Sounds so the five hundred right. L, they where did you go? They ended up, ended up killing the. Um... I I found it. Okay. They ended up killing the manual transmission option on the L. No. I forget what year. Like, but you can get an older yeah, one. Yeah, get an older one, which is what I would do anyway. Because we know that yeah. the um. We know that the uh, reliability is good. And um. Yeah. I don't know. I just. I mean, so. The reason it got rid of the element is that it wasn't reliable enough and it got too poor of fuel economy. Now, arguably, I over-corrected for that, getting a BEV <laughs> that like, literally cannot break and gets basically free fuel economy. But, but it's broken. <laughs> yeah, and, and one of those two things was woefully mistaken. So, <laughs> you know, early adopting is uh, I, it's still I really... early adopting. It just is. I... So this is the thing is like so you're you're blaming early adopting, which is yeah part of it, but I think another major part of this is that you're really overlooking the fact that if you look at Hyundai Kia's recall record, like it has always been through the roof because they've always just like fixed things on the fly and people are fine with it and they're thrilled they're getting taken care of, but they can't do that with this because they weren't intending on you being not in Oregon or whatever right. where you bought it. And so, like that—that's kind of like the issue that they're running into. So, I—I I, think—I don't think it's an early adopting thing. I think it's a Hyundai Kia thing that you ran into. Well, they don't want to sell them here. You know, the Nero. If you look at uh, like the Netherlands and some other countries, they sell a lot of these Neros. <clears throat> and um, in the U.S., they're—they're they're just basically not trying to sell them. Uh, and you can tell that because they've got these cars in the lot. You know, a year. Uh, you know, past their their model year, they had 19 model years into early 2021. They were still available at uh, that point. So, Kia is not motivated to move them. They don't really want to sell them, and as a result, they haven't sold that many in the U.S. You know, Canada, I, I bet, has bought comparable uh, numbers, and so they don't really want to sell them. And I guess that means that a recall is less valuable because they just haven't moved as many of them. It's hard to say, but. It should affect the worldwide supply, so I'm not sure. I would be surprised if these motors don't turn into a TSB or recall anyway, but it's so early on that, yeah, I mean, there's going <laughs> to... Before every recall, there's a Scott, and there's a bunch of them that figure <laughs> this out, and they get lemon buybacks, and then a recall happens. But, I mean... Well, there's really... a few things. There's a few things. One is I drive the heck out of a car, and these people buying these, are, these Neros are generally uh, penny pitchers or greenies or something i'm not sure they're not people buying performance cars yeah and and i think a big part of why these motors aren't failing um and the other thing is most people who buy these i speculate have never driven another bev and i think that they're hearing the clicking sound and never thinking about it i think that's yeah, a think, big part a of this part yeah I but eventually those, those major things when that part fails then it's going to have to become a recall because these people will notice when the car stops moving. And they have the 10-year powertrain warranty. I mean, that is definitely squarely within that 10-year uh, warranty. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe they superseded the, the motor again. Every, every, everything you've been talking about with this car just like makes me think about how wonderful and fully, completely maxed out Mitsubishi Mirage should be. <laughs> just well, like as a as a vehicle because they're like you want something that's cheap somebody gets a trillion miles per gallon that's got a 10-year warranty that's not gonna break it's not gonna get give approval yeah. 
yeah, it, that's the thing. It's not going to give approval, but I'm just like, in my world, like in my head, it'd be like, yeah, that'd be, the number one thing would be the Mirage. And it's well, like... honestly, a Mirage isn't a big car, but if you look at all the, the options, except for like the Model X and S, I guess, to some extent, most of the options out there are not big vehicles. Now, the Mirage is smaller, but there, I mean, you know, I looked briefly at like Pacifica plugins, you know, yeah. and that's like the only family somewhat battery powered car that's even been sold here that isn't, you know, fifty grand Model X. Not a not a bad car. Not gonna lie. Well, it's, it's a overpriced. minivan, it's yeah, they're they're too expensive. I I think yeah, that was that, I was expecting them to be like twelve K and they're like twenty. Uh for the bottom line. Well do so, you want to, do you want another good news about the Mitsubishi Mirage? We now have the Thailand front end available in America, apparently. Great. Yeah, it, I just went to Mitsubishi's website, and that's the picture that comes up when you look Whoa. at Mitsubishi's website, is that we have the the tie front end, the like really cool one where it looks like it, it's like the Outlander front end. Now, so that's pretty nifty. I would look, but I don't trust the internet latency to. That's fair. Stress that's it. totally fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take, gotta take my word for this one, but it's like the uh, Outlander slash Eclipse Cross uh, front end. It looks uh, ten out of ten. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So anyway, again, it's, Gibbs it's, not going to approve that, but. No, no and, and it's also weird because being a big-time battery electric enthusiast and um, and all that, I think, to me, there's cars in two camps nowadays. There's full battery electric, and there is manual transmission gas cars. Mm-hmm. And to me, there's no point in buying anything in between. And um, and a plug-in is just overly complicated. You know, it's just it's kind of the worst of both worlds in a way. Yeah. And the only reason you go for that, that, yeah, the only reason you go for the Pacifica is just because there's literally no alternative that's similar to it. And that's not a good enough reason. And so, you know, if I do swing back the pendulum the other direction, then something like a 500L manual, you know, you know I liked driving the Element. It was breaking down because it's old, but, you know, 500L is like a 10-year newer car. Keep in mind now, you have and... put in off-peak electric charging on your house, and you're paying a monthly <laughs> fee to have that meter, whether you're using it or not. So, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, well, I can just borrow your Fiat, but... Um, yeah, that's, that's a real consideration. And, you know, a cheap Bolt is still an option. They're about 11 k right now. And um, yeah, I'll just think about it. But it's uh, it's really disappointing to basically just to have a battery electric enthusiast burned uh, in a situation like this. So uh, Yeah, where you, you were you were so, like, I guess gung-ho about it. Like, yeah, so right. It. Right and now they're, like, they're going out of their way to be like, oh, my God, we – we're gonna make you hate us so much that you, we're gonna we're gonna put a bad taste in your mouth yeah. for our brand forever. Whatever right? you do, do not buy a new car next. Because I remember after you sued and won with FCA, you're like, I'm never buying a new car again the rest of my life. And then <laughs> bought the Nero, <laughs> and lo and behold, Every well, the time. problem is used prices on Neros are like twenty, twenty-seven, twenty-eight. Oh, it's way too. And much. I can get a brand new one for thirty-five, and then you subtract the tax credit. Yeah, I mean, and it's and it's zero percent financing. You know, it's it's such a weird we're just at such a weird stage right now with the battery electrics that it, they should have just paid you <laughs> yeah well. yeah they really should have they, 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 they totally should have like they, they just made this like as terrible as possible for you yeah so i don't know i guess that's sort of the conclusion i think the only follow-up will be you know what i enter what i end up replacing it with and and that's pretty much it that's, uh... Right now, I'm in, in the process on Mitsubishi's website, fully maxing out <laughs> Mirage for you to can try you put... and get Gibbs approval for it. Can you get a manual on the the top trims? Uh, no, but you can make the base trim into a top trim. Oh, 
Okay. It's really weird how you can do that, but like you can literally every single option you could put on optional. <laughs> but there's no reason and, to buy a Mirage new because you could just buy a six year old one, right? Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like this way, it, nobody nobody ever ma- you know maxes them out. They get they get them to get the cheapest possible car, <laughs> which is exactly what I would probably do. But... I was gonna say <laughs> of of a gas manual replacement, an L is a good idea because yeah, it is. You looked at those even before we bought the second element. I mean, I didn't like them when they first came out, but I think in a good color and in, in a high trim, it just has that quirkiness that I really miss. You know, if there's anything that Nero wasn't, it was quirky. It had basically no quirks to it, except they could do massive burnouts. Oh, that's about it. did great burnouts. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, I actually had a wrong. couple of corrections from the last episode. One, I said the uh, 19th Amendment. It was actually the 18th Amendment that was on the repealed uh, alcohol. Oh. And then the other correction was that... Um, I guaranteed that the Nero would be better acceleration in the winter with winter tires than the Element was. And that was dead wrong. Dead wrong. The Nero is terrible, terrible traction in the winter. (laughs) Open differential and terrible brake vectoring. I mean, it it is god-awful, even on Hakapolita. So So, um, I found that the electric torque is really, really hard to manage with two-wheel drive. Well, front-wheel drive. But well, yeah. that too. But even the the 500e, if you just if you cane it with the traction control off, it does not go anywhere. No, but if you leave the traction control on, the 500e is way better. Yes, it way does have a much managed. better system. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, just so, I guess borrow my 500 until the winter comes, and then buy whatever at that point. A, a fully maxed out Mirage, by the way, is nineteen thousand five hundred. God, that's so cheap. Is there money it's on the for, hood too? I know, right? But no, it, that's with um, it's a five speed wine red over black cloth interior with the exterior trim package, LED illumination, interior illumination, parking assist sensors, welcome package, uh, rear bumper protector, armrest console, exhaust furniture, mud flaps, hood protector, LED oh fog light kit. Uh, I'm not done. Like, Rockford Fosgate stereo, uh, additional fog lights, because apparently there's you can add fog lights on top of fog lights, <laughs> which is awesome. I just clicked all the buttons, so I did body side moldings and all weather floor mats. Ten year, hundred thousand mile powertrain warranty. Um, that's delivered to your door with a thousand dollar destination handling fee, and then that's before I get to the uh, um, one thousand dollar cash down, zero percent APR oh uh, for forty eight months plus five hundred eight dollar apr customer rebate uh, it's just it, they're giving these away why would somebody not buy one of these that's incredible so much car for so little money is a fully loaded mirage like, I, also, I love that it's still a five speed by the way yep yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's a the, the shift knob looks like it's from like 2003 as well it's perfect how is the back seat in a mirage how much uh that's fine rear facing child seat it it it's... can fit two of those oh there you go yeah jam those yeah, I don't think it could fit two rear-facing car well, seats. Only has to like, fit one, but one, maybe. It's surprisingly they're... capacious. Yeah. Yeah, I'm it... not getting a Mirage, but <laughs> I like the idea of it. But you really like the idea of it. Also, on the higher trim levels, there's a optional factory remote start. Not uh, with a manual, I bet. No, it is not. But you can easily find one of the rollover high trim levels without a manual. Yeah, I'm sure and what also, Scott wants to do is go to a junkyard and start retrofitting parts on his a, new daily driver. Actually, the new like special trim level, the Carbonite Edition, comes with a really cool body kit on it. So the, I, I'm kind of nerding out about this. I really wish that didn't have a CVT. <laughs> I wish I could get a Carbonite with a manual. I would buy that. I would trade in my Fiat. <laughs> Poor Fiat. 
The answer is always fiat. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, pretty I much. I, yeah, it's like because like a Toyota would be good, but like it's it's not as fun. Like I can say it with honesty, like I love Toyota, but like they're just not as fun as Fiats. Like I can't say like a Yaris is as fun as a 500 with a straight face. Like it's just it's not. Well, and, and the original 500 is such a I guess it's a flawed car in a lot of ways, but I just I never grew old of that car. I never got tired of it. It it was so quirky and weird. And, uh, you know, too too well honed, like the 911, frankly, was just so well engineered that it actually became kind of boring. I was about, to, the, say, I was about yeah. to say, you know what's a, like a flawless car is like a Volvo S80. And nobody cares about that car because right. there's, there's not – everything blends together into something that's good. Like you don't have something glaringly bad that you're dealing with on an otherwise great car because I really think that the flaws help juxtapose what's – what makes a car great is it bad that the best character thing on the entire tesla model s is the fact that i cannot turn off the traction control and it continually drives me up the wall yeah yeah that's bad <laughs> that is the, the only piece of character that that car has and i do not like it yeah it's kind of bad. like it, it, that, that, that that's like an objectively bad car like it's one of those things where it's like it's good it's a such a good car but like like, like it's like a, a Porsche. World. There's if no that... flaws. I'm just I'm bored. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like that that's like when I say a car is like bad. Like that's what I talk, I'm talking about. Like, if it's too good, like it it gets so good it's bad. Like you just you don't want to you don't want to deal with it anymore because you're just like okay, like I don't have anything to do here. Yes, this exists. <laughs> I, I can I can now sleep and play video games while I'm driving. Like and it's it can out accelerate anything, but it's still meh. So I still vote get a used Bolt with the money you saved and the tax credit and just call it good. I say 500x. Get turbo. Enjoy it. 500 turbos are fun. Oh, is the X not available with the turbo? Uh, it is, but not with the manual. Well, but the X is a is a crossover, and the L is like an MPV. The L is a Panda. Yeah, the... yeah uh, I think it's related. Yeah, the L is the one that's got the cool. A pillar. The A pillar. Yeah. Yes. It's got a massive back seat. It's got a very tall cargo. The L's a good vehicle. Very basic. And the, the one seats that... are hard. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> the, the seats are kind of weird. The um what else? <laughs> Reviews are never positive, but um That's but it's fine. spacious. It's very reliable too. You know what car uh was the nineteen ninety seven motor trend car of the year because it got nothing. Malibu. Positive. Yeah. I remember reading that magazine. In nine in 1997, of all the cars in the world, that's the car that got the best reviews. And I remember my so. buddy had just bought one of those, uh, or his dad had, and I was like, uh, hey, uh, cool uh, car, dude. It just won the car of the year. Boy, did I... I knew nothing. Uh, <laughs> you, you could buy an E39 528 manual. You could buy an Integra Type R. An EK Civic. You could buy any other car in the world. You could get a DSM. Like, there's so many other cars. Well, I think it was the 96. If I, remember, if I remember correctly, it was the 96, and the E39 came out in 97, and I think that one ah, the award in 96. Okay. Even, uh, even then, 96, you still had the Integra. You still had the Civic. You still it had to be a new car, though. The only, the only eligible cars are the new GT. ones. Yeah, what nothing good came out in 96. I can't think of a single car that debuted in 96. That was good. Actually, that that is true, because I remember when I was, huh. uh, like, on a Japanese nostalgia car, we always try to do a um, the 25-year like new inductions for like cars you can import and like 1996 you're like r33 i guess nope <laughs> that, that was 95 huh yeah that 95 and 97 
I think it was like the F the Mitsubishi FTO ended up being the only car we rode up that year. Like there's just nothing. It was like that and like the Forester. We've oddly just... talked about this and I cannot remember. I think we did come up with something interesting, but like, it took 90, a long 96 time. 96 was a dud year for cars. Like everything was good. Like there's nothing new came out. I guess the EK came out, but I mean like whatever. The the Type R didn't come out until the year after. Didn't that. the Boxster come out in 96? I mean, d- 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 maybe. <laughs> no, it was '97 in the U.S. Okay. I, I, just, I have no love for boxsters, and then your ownership yeah. of one reinforced that. Where I'm like, as much I as I hated my boxster S, if a really cheap manual first year two five came up for sale, I would still own one again. God, why? Because the two fives just... with the five speed are actually pretty good. <laughs> I'm just I'm thinking of all the other cars in the world that you can buy that do the same thing the Boxster does that isn't the Boxster and like it just puts the Boxster so far down my list of vehicles. Don't worry, I have the 124 now. Everything's fine. There you go, perfect. And that does everything a Boxster does, but better. So there you go, yes. Scott. Buy a Fiat. <laughs> don't yeah. Well, yes. Buy buy a 500L or a Bolt, but don't buy a 124 for your yeah, child the, hauling. The ability. power meter thing is an interesting point. I hadn't thought about. You're that. paying on it every month, whether you use it or not. It's like 35 bucks a month just to keep it running. No, so. it's not that much. It's not that much. I think it's like 10. Oh, okay. Well, that's not terrible. Bolt. Get a Bolt. There you go. All right. <laughs> just put a paper bag wrap on it and call it good. <laughs> what uh? What, what's our timestamp right now? Uh, just crossed over an hour, so we're probably All good. Right. All right. Well, perfect. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm so sorry that you had to deal with such a nightmare with the saga of your Nero, but I'm happy it's coming to an end for you, and you can move on to newer and not Kia things. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll, we will not need a part three. I hope. God no. I hope oh, not. God, <laughs> not not going to I'm really hoping that doesn't happen. <laughs> Unless he buys another one, and we go through the exact same thing. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> Miss Jocelyn. <laughs> I, although I do appreciate the fact that you'll be, make everybody at Kia just collectively angry. <laughs> there is something about that that I, really appeals to me personally. Just buy it, buy yeah, it on a Friday. And getting the loyalty, the loyalty cash. Buy it on a Friday to ruin their whole weekend. Actually, no, buy it on a Thursday just to make sure that the paperwork gets to them on a Friday. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, anyway, yeah, sorry about the technical difficulties, but thank you for joining us, and thanks for agreeing to come on and cover the second half. This has been at least very interesting yeah. from my perspective, so I'm glad to have it on the record. Yeah, this, is, this has been such a nightmare to listen to. I've just, it makes me, it reinforces all my views on Kia. And why every time Randy comes over with a Kia and he's all excited I go I don't give a shit and he goes why and I'm like because I fucking hate this company and this is why I hate him <laughs> no loaners on a brand new car that broke under factory warranty with That's less than a thousand miles yeah. don't, just, don't buy a low line car thing. except it's a Mitsubishi then buy it. well no I mean but you can buy low line cars just don't buy a low line car where they're like they're banking on their don't buy a first um, year model their brand well no yeah. I, I think it's more it's just like don't buy a car where they're banking on their brand loyalty. Any company that talks about their loyalty, don't go for that because they're not going to care about you. That's why Fiat's are so good because they it's never talk own. about it. Yeah, they <laughs> never ever do because nobody's loyal to Fiat. I am. <laughs> it's a great car. All right. Well, cool. Well, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you for listening. And uh, I, this is usually when we talk about people that are on Twitch, but we're not on Twitch. 
Yeah, I, I don't trust this to even try streaming. So we'll, we'll see yeah. everyone for 209. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.